It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen... Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce have been very busy. I do not know where that last week went. And as was said just before we came on air, Friday night's game feels like a month ago. So I don't really know where I am with regards to time at the moment. But I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I have a similar feeling, if I'm being honest. It does seem like a long time ago, doesn't it? But um, we'll be able to relive it all. And there's plenty to talk about, isn't there? So, um, yeah, let, let's bring it on. But obviously, um, joining the two of us um, is, no, not John McKenzie, even though uh, Gladbach did lose this weekend. Normally, we'd bring him on after that type of thing. But um, we've spared him this week. Is uh, Manu Vett. Yeah, hey, how's it going, Bryce? How's your not week? too bad, you? Yeah, pretty good. Just gotten uh, back from across the water from America, from the United States. And... Uh, hope to keep the trawl out a little bit during this podcast but i'm pretty good otherwise how about you how's your weekend been fairly quiet the only thing i had going on was uh watching a lot of sport and taking the cat to the vet so that wasn't exactly too exciting but uh, were you in america for any footballing reasons or just a holiday on this occasion um just uh, mostly holiday I have, I have friends down there um got a really interesting visit to facebook um, buddy works there, so that was that was fascinating. And then I went to CenturyLink Field, home of the Seattle Sounders. Got my Concacaf Champions League accreditation sorted. So yeah, but mostly pleasure, to be honest. Very good. Well, I hope you had a good time. And well, we certainly had a good time watching RB Leipzig play on the Friday night game as they beat uh, Osberg two 0 Osberg have had a fairly good season, if we're being honest. Not that Manu Vett will uh, want to talk about that. So we're going to talk about RB Leipzig. It seems like they're back on track. Um, they've moved up to second in the league after this one. And yes, they do have a tough midweek game um, ahead in the Europa League against uh, Napoli. Uh, Manu, there, were, there was a rather um, large interview as well um, that we're going to discuss uh, with Ragnik. But um, let, let's talk about this Friday night game first. Um, they, they seem to, um, after a little bit of a shake, shaky season or maybe a shaky start to the year, they, they seem to have got back on track with this 2-0 victory. Yeah, and this this was their second win in a row. And actually, this is only the, the first time in the history uh in Leipzig's very rather short Bundesliga history that they've played two games back to back without conceding. So yeah, I, I I think they've they've sort of I mean it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to be for them with the Europa League fixture, right? The midweek fixture that's going to affect them to a certain extent. But I get the sense that they have cut down a little bit on the uh, spectacle and just trying to get results at the moment. And I think that's, that's something that has helped them, um, in this case. And I think that's something that also comes with maturity, playing, uh, more games in the league. Um, Ralf Hasenhüttl's maturity as well as a coach. And remember, he's, he's always quick to point out that he is not an experienced coach yet. This is only his, um, third full season in the Bundesliga. So I think it comes down to that. And, just also learning how to play without um, Emil Forsberg, who's thankfully actually he's back. Um, it looks like he might actually be back for Thursday's game as well. And that, that's that's been an important player for them last year, right? And not having him in the lineup, or when he was in the lineup, he was uh, struggling with fitness. 
So I think these are all things that come to play. And I, I think, I mean, Chris, we've talked about so many times about this. Is, is maturity is such a big thing for them right now. We, we often forget how young of a club they are. Yeah, it's, um, it is. It, I think it's going to be a test. And I'm sort of on the, on the fence on this because they've put some good results back to back now. I just am a little concerned about how poor they were when the Champions League was on. Now, I know there's, there's a, um, a bit of a, a more of a break to come should they get through this round of 32 into the next round of 16. So I just fear for them that just as they're starting to get their uh, Bundesliga form back, that they're going to go into Europe, which I think they found difficult. Now, hopefully, you would hope that they've learned from their experiences in the Champions League and they will sort of now know how to play um, well, it'll be Thursday, Sunday for the most of it, won't it? Um, which is very difficult. It's it's a day. It's only a day difference um, on a match day. But when you're playing every game on a Sunday in the run up to your Thursday night Europa League games, it can become a bit strange. I remember being at Old Trafford for Rostov's visit when I was over there for, um, for football grad, and uh, Mourinho was not keen on playing Thursday, Sunday, said he hated it. So it'll be interesting to see how um, how Leipzig like it because a lot of teams don't like it, but then they don't really have that much experience of not playing Thursday, Sunday. So it will be um, it'll be an eye opener for them. But with regards to this game, it's it's what they needed, wasn't it? They um, they've gone straight back up the table. Um, I think we're all starting to think maybe they might not blow it as such, but fourth might probably be the best that they could get. But they've taken them, um, they've taken them back to second, uh, and they've got that point difference between Dortmund now. And if if they can end the season where they are, which is vastly behind Bayern Munich, um, I think we could all say that Leipzig have had um, another good season to finish where they did last season, and to back it up by finishing again in that position. I th- would be pretty incredible for a team that we've heard this week will not be spending more than 40 million euros on a player, which in today's market isn't particularly good. But we have to remember that they are excellent at scouting, although um, they were lamenting their scouting process only recently, weren't they? Yeah, they brought in, uh, remind me of his name, he used to run Southampton's scouting um, and Tottenham. Um, widely regarded as the guy who brought Dele Ali to Tottenham, right? And he's now the head of um, development and scouting, I believe, developing youth development and scouting at RB Leipzig. So English, an Englishman, which is which is fascinating. I think, I mean, Leipzig like to fish in that pool. They like to bring in these young players. Um, the in regards to the forty million, this is something that we discussed last week as well, right? Everyone is um, moaning about 50 plus 1 and how it hurts the, the, the clubs developing um, and not being able to compete with with the with teams from abroad, which I think is nonsense because the Bundesliga is actually the league with the second most money in Europe. Um, the big problem really is financial fair play. And this is something that Ralph Rangnick pointed out in this interview. He said, look, we are still la- ranked last in television revenue, right? in the Bundesliga because we're such a young club. It's a, it's a three-year coefficient thing. On top of that, um, it's a five-year, it's, I think, you, UEFA's financial fair play goes over five years. So they have to make a certain amount of money every year, um, in order to spend it. They can't just go, Red Bull can't just give them 500 million euros and say, look, here you go, just buy Mbappe, buy Neymar, go out and buy this guy. It's not possible because RB Leipzig, um, are actually constrained by financial fair play. So a lot of times people are saying, well, so an owner could just come and buy a club and then make a super club out of it. If this club actually sticks within financial fair play, it's actually not that easy, right? Because of you need to be able to have a history of making money and you have to have to have a history of um, being competitive in the Champions League. So they were actually about three years out. They need three more years of Champions League football to be and at the same level with these other teams around them where they want to be. And that's that's going to be a tricky thing to do because that means they can only really sign young players, um, basically follow the strategy that they have been following all around. It's all, all bringing players that are not necessarily discovered, pay a decent amount of money for them as well, but, you know, just so that they can grow as a club 
from within. And the other thing is, of course, hanging on to players, which is going to be very important for them as well, because Naby Keita selling Naby Keita to Liverpool, which is something they really didn't want to do, brings them in a lot of money, but it doesn't necessarily help them too much with that jump in financial fair play. Like They really were hoping that they could keep these players in the in the long run so that they can kind of build on it. And it's it's a tricky one, right, Chris? I mean, this the fact that you're so constrained by this this rule in a way shows you really the limitations where limitations really are in terms of football and finance yeah it does and it's interesting that they've brought in paul mitchell as you said from um, southampton and um, of, of ex tottenham because it's something that leipzig have started to look at and we discussed it a couple of times it's 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 english or english-based players obviously they had oliver burke who, who's scottish but he was English-based. They also looked at Scott Hogan, which was around about 12 months ago. And then there was Matty Cash as well from um, Forest that they looked at. And then, of course, they've got Luckman at the moment from Everton. So it's an area that they're exceptionally interested in. Um, so it's it's just not strange that they've brought an, an Englishman in or a Brit in to do their spotting for them. It just sort of plays to what we spoke about last week, which maybe the, then there becomes a danger where Leipzig start to become a development side for English clubs who want to loan their players out, which is exactly what they don't want to become. But on the flip side of that, you know, you could say that, well, they only get their players from um, Red Bull Salzburg anyway, so what does it matter? But they're going to have to have a, a change of plan. I, I don't think it's realistic for them to expect a challenge for the Champions League year in, year out, and be able to challenge once they're in the Champions League if they're going to try and do it on a shoestring, um, one of them won't be successful. And I will probably say that it will be the Champions League area that wouldn't be successful because they won't have the side, the, the quality to compete with the very best teams week in, week out. And they would more than likely fall away at the same sort of stage they've done. But if they were to drop into the Europa League every season and get some European experience there, and you know what, get through to Europa League final, um, then then you never know. But I think something has to change because at some point, no matter what they say, Timo Werner will go. Um, now, whether it's Bayern that offer a load of money or whether it's a Premier League side or a um, or a, a La Liga side that come in and offer a lot of money, we've already seen if you throw enough money on the table, they're more than likely to accept it. You know, football's a business at the end of the day. So do they want to be developing these players that then they you know, sell for an astronomical value? That could be their unique selling point. You never know. I'm pretty sure they don't want it to be because they're backed by Red Bull and we all know what Red Bull want to be. They want to be the best in their area. I just can't see them toppling Bayern Munich and being successful in the Champions League doing it on a shoestring. Manu, talking about uh, Timo Werner, um, how likely do you think it is that he will sign a new contract? I mean, he's been hardly tipped to to go to many different clubs uh, around Europe. And as Chris said, you know, if some of these big ever Premier League or La Liga or Bayern um, were to come in with lots of money, it'd be a hard one to uh, to say no to, would it not? It sounded from from the interview and kicker, it sounded that they were quite far in the contract negotiations. Um, nothing is said and done until the contract is signed, right? But it looks like that Leipzig now have enough money to, to push that 4.5 million euro salary cap that they have set within their own limits because they have now a year of Champions League football, right? So there they has been money coming in other than from Red Bull, which is something that the UEFA watchdogs, of course, watch, right? So um, again, it's that's that's the constraint. The constraint is financial fair play. It's not the amount of money that Red Bull is willing to spend um, because Red Bull has spent um, close to 100 million euros already, but they, it, it's sponsoring, right? You have to understand that this is something that people have to understand in general when it comes to owners. Owners don't gift money to clubs. Um, they Money is lent and, you know, that's debt and debt is calculated. It's calculated as debt within financial fair play. So when Abramovich spends money, that money is not gifted to Chelsea, right? That money is something that Chelsea owned Roman Abramovich. They, they have to technically, by accounting terms, they, it's expected that they pay it back. That's how it works. It's not just like, oh, here's a bunch of money and you go and sign. That's not how, how the financial world works. So um, Red, this is very much the same. Red Bull, even though they're the sponsor owner, you call them whatever you want. It, it's not money that's gifted to RB Leipzig, right? It's money that's technically owned back um, in terms of financial fair play. So 
I think it sounds like that they, they are willing now to push that salary cap um, in order to keep Timo Werner. And I think Timo Werner, I have to remember he's only 20 years old, right? So he's still a very young player. I think if he stays at Leipzig, let's say another three, four years, which is I think is likely that he will still only be 24. And if he keeps his current development up at 24, he can choose a club. He can just go wherever he wants to. He doesn't need an in-between step for that, right? Um, and I suspect it will be someone like Real Madrid or Barcelona because if he keeps up his current development, the sky is the absolute limit for him. Yes, indeed. And us on the pod, we're big fans of Timo Werner, aren't we? And we think his potential is, well, the sky is the limit, as as you said. Sam, Chris, uh, just to go back to you, um, I mean, um, I suppose two questions in a way. Um, how do you feel there? ambition to get back into the Champions League this year is going. They're going to have Eintracht Frankfurt uh, coming up next, but before that, they're going to be taking on Serie A current leaders in Napoli. How, how do you see both of these games going for them? Difficult one, because Napoli are excellent at the moment, as are Juventus, so if anyone's giving taking it to Juventus, uh, then they're going to do it with particular reason, but for Leipzig can be We've seen how good they can be on the day, but we've also seen how bad they can be. So it's a real old football cliche. It depends on what Leipzig. With regards to Eintracht Frankfurt and how they're going to get on with them, I think Frankfurt, whilst they've been very, very good recently, they are beatable. Um, And I think Leipzig do have enough in their tank to beat them, but it's all going to hinge on how that European um, experience goes midweek. That's, that's where the real test for Leipzig is. And they found it difficult um, before the winter break with the Champions League. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to get around it. But um, you know, Frankfurt had a really big win again this weekend. So um, whether they can do it next, well, it's next Monday, isn't it? A Monday night game. Whether they can do it all over again is it, another possibility. The only thing that will play into Frankfurt's hands is, is they're at home. And that arena is exceptionally um, vibrant and noisy when it's full, which I'm sure it will be for the visit of Leipzig. But regarding to Leipzig, if they if they go out in the way they can and, and we know the way they can play and we've seen the way they can play, they can win both of those games quite easily. Yeah, most certainly if they play to their potential, just like Timo Werner, you know, they've, they've got um, the beating of uh, most teams out there. It'll be a... Fascinating watch, I'm sure. But let's go to uh, one of the other uh, sides that will be featuring in the Europa League, and that is Borussia Dortmund, who will be facing Atalanta. Atalanta sitting in eighth in Serie A, not quite as high as Napoli. Uh, but, um, well, Dortmund continue to be undefeated in the league under Stoger. Uh, four wins and two draws. Uh, Manu, how effective has Stoker been since he's um, joined uh, Dortmund and I feel that there was a question you put online that we need to discuss as well I I personally think it's it's been a pretty ideal situation for Dortmund um, lots of people don't seem to like the way he plays football but I think when he had to come in mid-season um, very short winter break trying to stabilize a side that tried to play a style of football that just did not work under Peter Bosch. And that made made it very difficult for him to to bring in any kind of structure, right? So he he the only thing he really focused on in the very beginning um of when he came in was to just give this team structure. Um, and that means, of course, that it, it's not the great attacking style football that we saw under Thomas Tuchel necessarily. And I think a lot of people seem to judge him on, on this. Um, it's odd. The guy has won four games and tied two and uh, he's, he's on track. He's now he's recorded, um, that's 14 points in six games, you know, that with that kind of average, you not only qualify for the Champions League, but you actually compete for the Bundesliga title with that kind of point average, right? So, I personally think he's done quite well, but um, when I ask people, um, what do you guys think? Should Peter Stöger stay beyond the season at B4B? 20% said yes, 41% said no, and 39% said too early to say, Well, which is, which is fair. I get that one, I, I really get. Um, 
But then you have, you have comments like, um, at Christopher Alex, no Dortmund have become boring under him playing quality wise. If he continues till next season, he'll completely rip off the blueprint foundation laid by Tuchel and to an extent Klopp. Um, Craig Shapiro is always, always, uh, very active on an active listener. Uh, he said, no, and I'm not a B4B fan, but even I can see he doesn't fit this style of type of player. Plus they can do better. Now, I'm not so sure. I think that given anything that, everything that he had to deal with, and this is something that we talked about so much, right? Chris, the, the problems that you saw with Peter Bosch. And a week ago, when Bachuai came in, we were questioning whether this team would be killed. But yet they're getting the results. And isn't that in the end of the day that really what matters? And I find if Stöger qualifies for the Champions League, and I, I suspect that if he keeps this up, they will easily finish second behind Bayern, right? It'd be hard not to keep him. Well, results speak some spells, don't they? That little squeak because I was going to say yes. But then I'm not 100% sure. I have, I mean, we spoke during the match and. I genuinely thought at times during that game that Dortmund were dreadful. I thought their inability to do short passing um, was was horrendous. I thought their uh, movement and positioning was really poor. And it was only until they got the goal um, early in the second half, and then even there was a point during the um, during the mid time of that game, and um, it was good to see Marco Royce back. I get that, but I felt that one uh, once Mario Gotze came on, they sort of stepped it up a bit, and I was very, very glad that he got that goal for him um, at the very end of that game. But yeah, I'm on the I'm on the side of the fence that says I just look at what style of football they were playing last season, and okay, they were getting beat occasionally, and and maybe it wasn't the best defensively, but the football they were playing under Tuchel was was the sort of football that I would want to watch from um, from the side of the ground at, at Dortmund. And it's a hard watch, but I think you've got to, you've got to take your eyes off the, the past and say, look, this is going forward now. And you're quite right, Manu, if they had to finish second um, behind Bayern, that would be a good season considering, you know, that mid, that mid problem they had round about, well, it was match day nine where they fell off and, at one point, they were down all the way to eighth, weren't they? And, and Peter Stoker's come in pretty much straight after that and, and piloted them back. A little hiccup round about, um, you know, just after the break. And I went to see them play at Hertha and then they drew with Feiberg. But they've sort of come back from that. So if, if that's their little wobble under Stoker, then, you know, fair dues and fair play. And if they finish seconds, that would be great. I just feel, I just feel there's something missing from that. Dortmund side and I don't know what it is but he was coming to steady the ship or he was brought in sorry to steady the ship and that is what he's done um, and I can see Dortmund pushing Leipzig for second place all the way I think everyone is going to have to keep their eye on Frankfurt but I I tend to agree it's, it's not the most exciting football um, Stefan Busco wrote a great article for um, ESPN I think it was his player ratings for after that um, Hamburg game, and he he really questioned the the cons. So he looked at all the pros, and then he looked at one of the negatives. And it's in that article where he absolutely nails the negatives of what Dortmund's about at the moment. And if if that can be sorted out, I can't see why Stoger could couldn't stay. But it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel like Bruce Dortmund to me at the moment. Yeah, but I wonder if that's because of Stoger. Because you remember all the things that we talked about in the last few weeks is with this side, um, this, this, the squad isn't balanced, right? He has to deal with this team that was put together because of Dembele leaving, because of Aubameyang leaving, because players leaving before that. And, um, it doesn't seem like that the squad planners, and this is something that I've mentioned before, right? It doesn't feel like that the, the team has, the team is lacking something in general. So he was well, given. Manu, what do you think they're missing in particular? Well, I'm really curious to see what's, how Marco Royce is going to affect them because I think he is, he's going to be a big part. Um, he's a very important for the dressing room as well. And I, he's a very creative player. And I, once he's fit, I think that he could be the player that they were missing, but then they need more than that, right? They need, um, they need a captain in midfield. They need someone like Arturo Vidal almost in midfield. Um, you know, someone who can just, 
just settle a game down when something goes bad. Uh, Javi Martinez does this really well for Bayern too, by the way. He's just someone um, who just settles the game down. And I mean, sometimes that can be um, a tackle in midfield, right? Or just a, a perfect pass or just like getting into someone's face and just say like, look, this is what we need to do. And they're lacking that. They're a little bit like schoolboys in that regard. So I think that's some something that they're missing. And then of course... The question is, uh, who's going to score the goals up front? I think there is, there's a whole question now with Marco Reus and his new contract. And, um, reading between the lines, the new contract is not about money. Marco Reus wants to find out what the future holds for this club. You know, he's ambitious. He's a Dortmund boy. He wants to stay in Dortmund, but he also wants to win titles. So he is going to look very closely at what Sork and Watzke are going to do. Watzke, by the way, today resigned. Uh, he signed a new contract. And um, they go, he's going to watch that very closely and see who are they going to bring in, what is the philosophy going to be like. And it's not going to be signing a bunch of young players. It's not going to be enough for him. I think they he will really look hard. Like, who's going to be the man up front? Is it much why going to stay or are they going to have to sign someone else? Um, are they going to bring in one or two players in key areas like the midfield? Um, and I think they need to bring in another defender as well. Um, they just need someone with more authority. And they might have to look at the goalkeeping position as well, just to bring in more authority into the side and then balance the dressing room a little bit, right? Um, so those are things that are important. Um, so when you ask me, like, what do they need to do? I think there's a bunch of stuff that they need to do, Bryce. I think it was interesting this week that Vasca said they want to sign someone like um, Xavi Alonso, who had a really good time. Uh, um, both Real and then when he went over to Bayern as well, and he he said that whilst Julian Weigel is a good player, he doesn't have that 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 burning sensation in his eyes, and maybe he, he's still a little bit of a boy and he's not a man, and and he needs that. And I would tend to agree with that. Dortmund need needs something in the more in the middle, I think, and the ability to spread the play and maybe just that. F- for me, man, is that fast transition is missing. Now, I know Dembele's gone and I get that, and now Aubameyang's gone, and Pulisic is playing a little under the weather at the moment. There seems to be a lot going on with him, um, I think, more mentally than, than physically. But it's just the speed, that speed of transition that you saw under Klopp. And then I think Tuchel took it to an even better level during um, during last season. Uh, if you look at some of the games on the way into the Pokal final, I thought they were exceptional. Some of those Champions League games, they played exceptionally well as well. I look back to the the Monaco games where I think by rights they should have won those games, even though they were well beaten in the end. They had the chances to win it, especially in the home leg. But it's that speed and that transition and, and just that, that buzz around that around that team that I can't see at the moment. But then I think we have to remember also that he doesn't have two of those players and, and maybe, maybe even three of them who are playing at the top of their game at the moment. So It'll be it'll be interesting. It was also um, quite telling to see his comments about um, Batshuayi. They're they're pretty sure that they might not be able to um, to get them. In fact, it was, there's a really good quote where Vasquez said that if you deal with Roman Abramovich, if they say "niet," it means "niet." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a tricky one, especially if you keep scoring like that and and then has a good World Cup. Um, so I think it's going to be tricky, but I mean, they, maybe it's going to happen. Who knows? Watzke is so well networked that he could maybe make it happen. Um, but maybe, maybe that's not a bad thing either. Maybe they need someone different anyways. So that's, that's a very, very good question all around. I think that the Sabi Alonso one, that, that brings us back to that boys club a little bit, doesn't it, Chris? That's often how they feel like in, in recent weeks. They just feel, it's like they're a bunch of boys. They just, um, it's just not there for them. I think that one of the reasons why you wouldn't have the, the kind of stuff going on with Dembele and uh, Aubameyang at Bayern is because there's there's man there in the dressing room that would have addressed him and said like, "Look, you can't do this. You're playing for Bayern. You can't you can't create a circus here. That's not possible." You know, um, I, I feel like sometimes that's something that's very important for squad comp- composition, and you often forget that Dortmund are a very rich club. Um, they are, I believe they're in the top 10 in Europe when it comes to the richest club. And when it comes to UEFA coefficient standings, actually, they're right smack between the two Manchester teams. So this is a big club that's been very, very much underperforming this season. Uh, Chris, just before we move away from, uh, 
uh, Dortmund. So I just last um, a little bit off piece, but we're talking about obviously the midfield needs to be improved. They need um, well a, a better squad. They need more investment. But what what exactly is the story with the Hoods? I mean, we've seen that as a big coup for them uh, to bring him in last year and. They, uh, he's featured in 14 games in the Bundesliga, but only started five for them. I mean, do do we feel that he's not up to the challenge, really? Or, or what do you think the issue is with him? I think it might be harsh to say he's not up to the challenge. It's fair to say that he's not settled well. I've been bitterly disappointed pretty much. I'm going to say it that every time I've seen him, I've been pretty much disappointed in him. I thought he was one of the coups... Um, of of maybe of maybe the last four or five seasons when you get a player who had played so well at Gladbach and was so influential when you pick them up I think it was for 10 million euros everybody was like oh my god that is the deal of the century in inverted commas but he's not settled well now let's not write him off because players can take a while to settle some players arrive and hit the ground don't forget he's, he came in at a very um very strange time so there's lots of changeovers going he probably thought that he was gonna um be managed by thomas tuchel that didn't happen then obviously peter bosch came in and i don't think bosch particularly saw uh, the type of player in him that he wanted and then that may have affected his confidence really 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 badly and then um, peter stowe's coming and he's starting to give him a little go but he's not delivering on the pitch so it's a vicious circle so you get given your chance and you don't take it you don't get your chance again um, and then you eventually through training you get given your chance again you don't take it you don't get your chance again and it's a it is a vicious circle and I think that's where Dahoud is at the moment but to say is up to it I think that would be uh, I think that would probably be out of line because he's a fantastic player and don't forget when he's represented the national side at the different levels he has he's always been very very good so I think he just hasn't settled well at Dortmund and give him this season as almost a buy, uh, you know, a freebie and we will probably see a different player next season. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC Plus, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC Plus. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, here's hoping because, as you said, he was quite the player last year, wasn't he, uh, for Gladbach? And that's where I feel we're going to move to next. We've seen Borussia Mönchengladbach lose to Stuttgart over the weekend 1-0. And as I said at the start of the podcast, we don't have John here, who we normally turn to to discuss this. Um, it, it feels like the wheels have come off the Gladbach bus if i'm being honest uh manu we've seen out of uh last uh, last 10 games in fact they've only won three uh so that's 10 points from 30 i mean they were doing oh so well before that but you know that's three defeats on the points or four in their last five if we look at it that way what exactly is going on there it's also three games without scoring uh, a goal and this is actually the first time that any of Dieter Hacking's sides haven't scored since, uh, he was the coach of Nuremberg in 2012. Um, you know, that was back then his, his side Nuremberg stayed without a goal for four games. Yeah. It's that's, I think that really wraps it up right there, Bryce. It's the lack of goals. It's the, the lack of creativity up front, which is something that we've discussed um, many times over, right? 
Gladbach don't have a striker. And on top of that, the only, only attacking midfielder slash forward, um, slash playmaker that they use up front, Raphael has been, has been out of form, right? And he's, um, he, he played the second half in this game, but he, he takes time for someone to come back. And it's just, um, it's, it's, that's just really it for me. The lack that they don't have someone to, to, to score up front. Um, now John likes to point out Andre Hahn's departure. For me, Andre Hahn wasn't a forward either. He was more of an attacking winger. He wasn't really a goal getter either. So they need, they need someone, they need a real striker. That's something that they have just missed. It's, they need someone who can play off Stindl. Uh, Stindl for me is a Thomas Müller kind of player, right? Um, so they need to find the Gladbach equivalent of Robert Lewandowski. Um, if you don't have that, you will not score goals. And if you don't score goals, you don't win games. It's that, it, really, for me, it's that simple. And they've got Bobadilla. Is, is, is he not a striker? Yeah, but he's not playing. Why is he not playing? I mean, I, I sort of questioned that transfer to begin with. I think it's... He's an interesting, he was an interesting signing, but, um, I think the guy is as short as he's white, right? He's not, not exactly, um, uh, he, he's a bit of a, bit of mini, um, Tevis, Carlos Tevis, uh, but he's not an all-in-out striker for me either. He, he's, he need a bit more of a physical presence up front, you know, look, look, we're going to talk about Eidracht Frankfurt in a moment. What was the big signing for them this summer was, uh, Sebastian Haller. Right, an all-out goal-scoring player. That's really what they need, and that's that has made a huge difference for them. And I think when, when you when you want to be competitive in this league, you just need a striker, like a full-on striker. You can get you can get away for a little bit with playing with half nines, but you do need someone who just scores goals. I think that is really just the key thing for me. Yeah, Chris. Um, if we talk about hacking, um, I mean. Obviously, he's got to take a large part of the responsibility uh, for these performances and these losses. Um, how much is he a threat of losing his job at the moment? Oh, that's a, that's a very good question, Bryce, because whenever you sack a coach, who do you bring in? So who would um, Gladbach want to bring in if, if they sacked him? That That is a question. I don't know whether he is at risk because, I mean... They are dropping down the table rapidly. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where we thought, you know, they could potentially qualify for the Champions League. Now, because the league is so close, a couple of good back-to-back wins could bring them them up. But as it stands, they've dropped to tenth, um, which is nowhere near good enough. I would say, Bryce, that if their if their problems continued, now there's a big gap between 11th and 12th. If they were to somehow find themselves 12th by the time I hopefully see them play on match day 25, I think you know might have a bit of a longer press conference that Friday evening. Not but you know not particularly sure though, but it would it would signify a problem if match day 25 uh, predicament they're in now and. If that happens, it would have that that feel that we had last season. You know, when he departed after the Saturday night game, I think it was live on Sky Sport um, in Germany, and we basically saw him him go out the door that, that evening. So I think he might be able to recover it. But Manu's right; they don't they don't have a striker last season in when they're playing in the Europa League and they were excellent. It's because the likes of Stindl were firing brilliantly and Raphael as well. And, you know, Manu's already said he's not playing. And you mentioned um, Bobadilla, although he's 30. So I know that's not particularly old, but in Bundesliga terms, it's getting that way. Um, and then they've got um, Thorgan Hazard, who's, who's a left winger and he's playing as a striker. So when things don't go well, it's hard and, I don't think maybe uh, Vincenzo Grifo has, has chipped in as much as maybe I thought he was. Um, but there are goals in that side. You'd expect somebody like um, Zachariah to be able to chip in with the odd goal as well. You know, if the, on the edge of the area as as that midfielder. Sometimes when you play with a defensive, um, defensive two in the midfield, 
you can allow one of them the freedom to operate on the edge of the area to pick up any loose balls. That's not happening. I thought every game I've seen them in the last couple of weeks, they've been really poor. And Manu nailed it down. They don't have a striker, but they also don't seem to have any idea. And that is very worrying. And it must be worrying for, for everyone that goes to Borussia Park, whether they can get out of that. But they seem to be in a little bit of a free fall at the moment. Their next couple of games are going to be key, Bryson. Um, as I say, I'm due to be out there um, on match day 25 at Gladbach for their home game. So I may be looking at a different manager if they haven't won by then, or that might be the night where he finally goes. And I hope not because no one wants to see a coach lose his job, but he's got to start to turn it around quickly. I don't think there's any danger of falling that far down the league, Bryce, that they get into any sort of relegation um, problems into that relegation slot down in 16th. But they won't want to go from knocking on the door of the top four to finishing mid-table. That would be a disastrous second half of the season for them. What about Hans Wolf? Would he be someone that they could possibly turn to after being sacked from Stuttgart? I mean, young manager, young coach, sorry. Do you want to bring someone in at this part of the season when you're already in an, in a deep lull? That's got to be the question. And, you know, I think we all think it was a crazy that um, that Wolf was sacked. But whether whether he comes in and does a job at Gladbach, I, I don't really know whether he could do that. And whenever you sack a manager, you've got to know, is there someone better that can come in and do a better job? And in Dieter Hecking, they've got a lot of experience. And we saw the turnaround. When he came in, Bryce, the turnaround he had at Gladbach was unbelievable. None of us thought that he would have the turnaround he did. And I think we have to remember that he came in and did that. So... Probably, I would I would think he would be given until the end of the season. I would imagine you're right somehow, uh, Chris, if I'm being honest. But do have Borussia, well, Borussia Mönchengladbach will have Borussia Dortmund uh, coming up next. Uh, on 5 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. That's 5 o'clock UK time, sorry. That is going to be a very difficult uh matchup for them and may just add to Hacking's worries. Uh, guys, let's uh, move on then. Um, I can't believe, by the way, this is two weeks on the bounce. I haven't had to say the Stuttgart coach's name. Brilliant. What's um, his name, Bryce? Who, who really wants to hear that? I mean, <laughs> it's... Hold on, hold on, because... For anyone that's listening, I've got this so wrong in the past. Oh, get the have... beat button ready. Get the bleep button ready. Exactly, exactly. Where it's turned the air blue. So you've got... <laughs> Stop laughing, Manu. We've got <laughs> <laughs> Typhoon Corecut. That's it. Well done. Congratulations. That, was... that took a lot of sweat and determination, that one, to get that one right. Anyway, back to the football. I'm sure... I'm sure it'll be disastrous, and I apologise to our editors in the future. But um, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Say um, they're having a rather good season, will we say? Uh, they move up to fourth after a victory at the weekend. And yeah, I mean, Manu, would it be a little bit too early to say that they might? Champions League spots. I know that it's pushed uh, Bayer Leverkusen down into fifth, a team that you said um, may push for a Champions League spot or even challenge um, at the top end of the table. But um, Frankfurt look good at the moment. It's like it's a little bit like Bundesliga flipper at the moment, right? Um, every every match day, every team gets like yeah. mixed around. <laughs> That's it. Next week it'll be a completely different story. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll go with this one for now. Yeah, we go with this one for now. Although it, you do get the sense that we have a top six now. I think um, I know that Augsburg, Hoffenheim, Hannover, Gladbach—they're all sitting in thirty-one uh, points. Um, so they—they are looking kind of in, but. I do get this, a little bit of a sense that we have a top six and Frankfurt are right in the middle of that with 36 points. Um, and I feel, remember last year around this time, um, they were losing games like pretty much every match day. Um, they had a very good first half of the season and thankfully did because, um, in the end, that was really what saved them, right? From, from going down even because they had uh, collected so many points in the first half of the season that they were pretty much safe. Um, a bit more balanced this year. Um, that they, they 
they're looking really good. I mean, that win um, against Köln, um, who are now in a really dire spot, um, isn't easy to beat Köln at the moment because Köln, and we said this last week, is a playoff match for them every week. So it's um, it's really it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun to be an Eintracht Frankfurt fan right now, and uh, I, I think that that they're now in that competition for a Champions League spot. I mean, uh, is it maybe a bit too early for them to get that spot? Uh, possibly. Possibly be. It could be a step too far. On the other hand, um, they have a big stadium. They have lots of sponsors. They have, you know, they're, they're one of those teams, those sleeping giants that I often mention in German football. They're definitely one of them. And maybe that's what it takes to kiss them awake and um, get them to that next next level. To that um, that level where they become become a big club like Dortmund, um, and I actually look at Schalke as well as a big club, you know, so a financially strong club. So maybe that's it. But I mean, Chris, you always point this out: um, getting into Europe is one thing, but then the next development step is so difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. And look what's happened to Hoffenheim. They did exceptionally well last season to make them qualifiers for the Champions League. And then obviously they fell out and then went into the Europa League. But look at the, look at the effect it's had on their season. Now I know they're locked on 31 points. So you could say that they have a, they have an expectation they could get back into those, that fifth or sixth place. But you're quite right. There's a top six now. There's a split from sixth to seventh. There's a, there's a cushion. Um, of, of you know a game which isn't doesn't sound much, but in the Bundesliga it's been so tight that to be able to have a three point gap on anyone at this time of year is excellent. So for me, what I wouldn't want to see is Frankfurt to qualify for the Champions League and go in it straight away because as we all know the top four qualify instantly next season for for the knockout stages and then them have the same sort of problems that we saw Leipzig have early on, although they've recovered, um, and to some extent Dortmund, but specifically um, Hoffenheim's problem. And um, I think we can discount Hertha Berlin and um, Cologne from from what happened in Europe because they're two sides where I don't think anything could have helped them this season particularly. But Frankfurt are playing some excellent football. I was lucky to um, watch them live the other week at Wolfsburg. I thought they were great then. Um, I saw them play um, Gladbach. Uh, I thought they were excellent then. They've been excellent this weekend. And Manu's quite right for for them to take the lead when they did and, and hold it. came out frightening. And unfortunately for Cologne, just when they got themselves back in, they absolutely caved at the weekend. And I... I thought they could have escaped this drop. Now they were heading that way where they pulled themselves out. They were very, very unlucky um, against Dortmund and, and they've been soundly battered. And that gap that they were so, so, so working hard to bring in is now gone back out again. So I think it's pretty much writing on the wall time for them. But for Frankfurt, you can only, you can only finish where you finish. It's a very, very old and maybe daft saying, but if they finish fourth this season, congratulations to them. But my main worry would be them next season. I don't think they would quite do a cologne, but I think it could hurt them a little bit the way the European involvements hurt Hoffenheim. So, Chris, would you say that it would be better for them to finish outside the European places or just outside the Champions League? Um, no, I think it would be excellent for them to finish in the Champions League because that's where they want to be. They want to be top four constantly. I think maybe um, Leverkusen and Schalke will just have a little bit more experience um, as as clubs to be able to make that difference up. You know, Schalke are two points behind Leverkusen, one point behind Frankfurt. I think the next couple of match days will be um, will be very crucial, and it wouldn't surprise me to see both those teams go above and and maybe Frankfurt to be sixth in the next couple of match days. And that would be about right for them. I think it's key they get into Europe, though. I'd love to see them in Europe, be that the Europa League or the Champions League. I just think from the season that German teams have had in Europe, it would be more beneficial for the top four to be um, obviously Bayern at the top and then to be um, either Leipzig, Dortmund or Schalke or Leipzig, Dortmund and Leverkusen or even um, Dortmund, Schalke and Leverkusen. I think going into next season's Champions League, for me, that would be the strongest team um, as possible as a German four. I know Leipzig are doing very, very well. 
I just think they probably need a little bit more European experience that they could get from the Europa League and then eventually hit the Champions League and, and, and give it what it needs. But for me personally, I think that Bayern, Dortmund, Leverkusen and Schalke would be an excellent top four to go into the Champions League next season. Yeah, most certainly. And yeah, I agree. It would be exciting to have them back in the Champions League, but um, let's see how it plays out. As Manu said, well, well, it's changing every week at the moment. I was unfortunate to tune into the uh, Leverkusen uh, Hertha game, and yeah, that that was very poor from Leverkusen, and I didn't see that coming. I tuned in to see quite the entertainment, and just didn't get it. But Manu, we're we're going to talk um a little bit um about a um well a website that that we're very keen on that we like an awful lot. Uh, 538 um if you haven't heard of it check it out lovely graphics uh, plenty of articles on there but a predictor as well and they seem to be very good at their predictions money you you mentioned that they got the the u.s presidential election spot on and they actually do many sports as well but they they do the bundesliga and so they've predicted that um eintracht will finish in sixth so actually outside the Champions League spot. So would would you agree with that, Manu? I mean, you did say at the start of the season that you reckon that Leverkusen are going to push them. You reckon that it's going to be Bayern, Dortmund, RB Leipzig, and then Leverkusen. I mean, that's a good... Look, the, the way to do it is to take the, the data from this season and then the sort of projector results and the, the goals scored, the goals against, right? Average wins. And um, they have to project the points from that. And... Um, I think that we now have enough data into this season. It's very hard. They, they do actually do this ahead of a season as well, which I think is pretty much impossible because, yes, we have past results, but um, football teams nowadays, the the squads fluctuate too much to use past data to get future results. But I think we're now at a point of season where you have enough data available to sort of make projections right and this is really what it is is they they project and 538 is very good at projections because they use a lot of data um that's how they they didn't get the the presidential elections 100 percent right but they were the only um side that suggested that trump could win right because they used a lot of data from all over the place They they didn't concentrate on one data source they concentrated on lots of data sources and they do this they do this as well with American football. They do this with baseball and they do it with basketball and they do it, do it quite successfully. So, um, again, in the beginning of the season, they often get things wrong because there isn't enough data there, right? The date, you can only project things if you have enough data. But I think right now, this is, this is, this is not a bad projection. When you look at the league standings as it is right now, then I, I think that's, that's, that could be it. That, that could be the table that we're looking at at the end of the season that, um, and this is the, Global, uh, global club soccer rankings that they do for various leagues. Now, of course, I do think that Dortmund actually at this rate, they will probably finish second. Um, whether all these standings are going to turn out exactly this way, uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure, um, for example, when you look at the bottom of the table, I'm not 100% convinced yet Köln are relegated. Uh, we had a few years ago where we had a similar example with Gladbach actually. And um, they they won a few games and they lost one and then everyone said okay well that's it, but you know this is this is two games now lost but there's still twelve games to be played and Gladbach in the end actually managed the relegation playoffs and stayed in the league and then the following year shot up the table and finished uh, in the Champions League spots. So I, I I think it's I think you have to take this with like with everything with a grain of salt. But I think there's certain things where I mean the Bayern will win the championship. I think that's pretty much a certainty, for example, and that Dortmund will finish in the Champions League. I'm pretty convinced about that too. But with the standings behind that, I think there is still so many variables um, that we can't really be a hundred percent certain. And you know why the one reason why I'm actually thinking that Dortmund will win, finish in the Champions League, it's when you look at the goal differential. It sort of indicates that the, the in-between season, um, slump that they had was just that. It was a slump and it, it, it was something that you could almost not project. Um, because when you look at actually their goal scoring average, it, they should be much closer to Bayern than they are right now. Yeah, they certainly should, but things didn't quite start out 
the start of the season, um, as they had uh, anticipated, eh, or that any of us had really anticipated. Unfortunately, we would have liked to have seen it a little closer, wouldn't we? But let's uh, let's speak about uh, Bayern a little bit. We've seen them at the weekend uh, take on Schalke in the late kickoff game on Saturday, um, a game that they won 2-1. Uh, Chris, it kind of had a story within itself, didn't it, with uh, Leon Goretzka will be teaming up with Bayern in the summer. Yeah, it did, and... I thought, sorry, excuse me, I thought that he would maybe have had a bit more impact and, and that's not to say he didn't, but especially for um, Schalke's goal. I just felt he played within himself. Am I allowed to say that? I He had a chance to score and didn't. I don't know whether that the pressure got to him or whether he thought, oh my God, I can't score here because I'm going to be playing here next season. Or maybe he's just not particularly happy about being there. But that was a side story. Um, But in a way, it was more... It was more Bayern, I think, and it's been privileged enough now to watch them twice within a couple of weeks of each other, and I thought they were excellent again. um, Again. And it was a pretty boring second half, as I'm sure anyone that watched it will have seen. But sometimes you get that, don't you? You get a team who are quite happily just manage a game out, Bayern soaked up all the pressure. They do what they do very well. Um, What I wouldn't be surprised here, man, I wonder if if you were maybe thinking the way I was, is maybe this was a little bit of a Champions League test for them. Can they see games out? And they maybe even put forward a bit of a playing dynamic that they're going to take into um, Europe over the next couple of weeks was to be able to sit on a lead and defend it and soak up all that pressure and, and just go on and win the game. And in the match report that I wrote on footballstat.com, I put that it was the whole match was defined by three early goals. Um, and it was, I thought Vidal was excellent again. And I nearly named him as man of the match, but then realized I'd, I'd named him for the previous man of the match. And, I don't want to be accused of, of just running a um, Vidal fan club. So I went with Thomas Muller, who I thought played exceptionally well and, and was involved in both goals. Um, but as a spectacle, it wasn't the match I thought it was going to be. Um, maybe it opened. So the first half an hour, it opened the way it did with a you know, very early goal and then um, Schalke coming back into it and then Bayern going out and, and getting the second. I, I thought it may have gone on the second half but I'm, I'm pretty convinced looking back at the match and especially the way that they shaped up in that second half they were they were putting some sort of plan together for for Europe and how to soak up pressure which is something they didn't do well last season especially against Real Madrid. Yeah I think that's an excellent point Chris that you make there with the with the fact that they're now managing games and this is something that your Pankers was so good with when they won the triple um you know, just the managing of games, seeing out games, um, especially when you have a huge lead in the league. So I think you're definitely onto something there. And Manu, uh, just to touch on what um, has come out since the game, is uh, Muller has been speaking about the format of the league, is that right? Yeah, he responded to a comment made by Elkay Gundogan. Um, I thought it was a bit rich coming from a Manchester City player, to be honest. He's saying that the the Bundesliga isn't as attractive because there is such a huge gap between first and second place. Um, I, I believe the gap in England is 16 points right now, so that's only two less. Um, and he also believes that teams in England don't play as defensive football. I actually looked at the stats. Bundesliga teams score more goals than in England. And then he said, well, the Bundesliga has to do something to change the format. And then they asked, I don't know why they went with these Gundogan comments to Müller. I guess because the national team um, colleagues. And they asked Müller about this. And then Müller said, well, we have to maybe change, look at the way the league has changed and uh, bring in playoffs or whatever to make it more attractive. Now, I personally think that playoffs, you have a huge danger here, which is when what happens if a team finally does win it up to 34 games, right? And then they have to play a playoff and then Bayern with all their experience just go in and win the playoffs because they are such a dominant team, right? So, um, I'm not sure if a league changing the format will actually solve the problem, to be quite frank. Yeah, Manu, if you're talking about points and goals, um, the Premier League actually has a much higher nil-nil rate than the Bundesliga and it actually has more nil-nils than any of the five top major leagues in Europe 
So what well, does that say? There's exactly? so much to Gundogan's comments that teams in the in the Premier League because he's, that's an actual quote. Teams in the Premier League don't sit as deep and try to play more attacking football, even against bigger sides. I I, I don't know where he gets that perspective from, uh, because it's certainly not not backed by facts. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe he's he's been making some a lot of comments like that uh, ever since he joined Manchester City. Is I think he's trying to. This is no disrespect to City, by the way, but I think he's trying to make the club he's playing for and the league he's playing in bigger than than it maybe is. Yeah, definitely fighting talk from him, eh, when it comes to comparing the two leagues. Uh, but um, I feel that more or less does it for this week. Uh, is there anything else anyone would like to uh, touch on? Uh, no, I'm all right, Bryce, thanks, but thanks for the offer. <laughs> well, Maya say that I just I seen an interesting stat this week, which um, Chris, uh, you and I may be uh, more interested in, um, with uh, Naby Keita going to Liverpool in this summer. Obviously, he's an RB Leipzig player at the moment, but I was quite surprised to see that he at the moment has the highest successful dribble rate in the Bundesliga. Maybe a stat that people wouldn't have expected. He's, it's higher than Pulisic, who comes in second. Pulisic has had a bit of a poor season, to be honest, um, on the whole. Not in America, um, he hasn't. In America, <laughs> he's not. <laughs> <laughs> the saviour, eh? Yeah, the saviour. Yeah, the saviour of football. Um, Kater likes to take players on. I don't think there's any surprise. That's why Jurgen Klopp wants to break the bank for him. Um, so I'm not overly surprised. Um, you go look where Leipzig are in the table. And although he's had quite a few layoffs due to his um, ill-discipline, when he's on it, he is very good. I mean, he was he was hacked to death the other week against um, Gladbach, predominantly by Lars Stindl, who kicked him all over the place. So that it doesn't surprise me. That that's why he's such a such a wanted player, not just by Leipzig but by Liverpool as well, because he wants to take the attack from from the very part of the midfield where he plays, and he wants to drive it forward. So I'm not overly surprised by that, Bryce. Um, maybe with Pulisic being in second, that highlights. Poor would be the wrong word. Um, substandard season, I think he's had. I thought maybe Robin would have uh, pushed further up to challenge those two, but I suppose, you know, he dribbles all the time. Some of them have to be unsuccessful. But I think that more or less does it for this week. Um, hopefully, everyone's excited for the midweek uh, games, and then we'll be back again with the Bundesliga match day next week. Uh, Manu, what have you got going on this week? I'm sure you've got plenty of previews, and that's ahead of the European Games. Yeah, we have the um, the Champions League previews. By the time this podcast is out, all four Champions League previews will be on Fußballstadt.com because we don't have any post-Soviet clubs involved this week in the Champions League. So they will be all out on Fußballstadt.com. And then on Tuesday, we have all the Europa League previews, Dortmund, Leipzig. They will be on Fußballstadt.com. Um, we have the Arsenal game on Fußballstadt.com as well. And then we have, of course, all the Russian, Ukrainian um, and the team from Kazakhstan um, all on uh, footballgrad.com. So these previews will be all coming out basically as they come in, as they get published. So, yeah, over the next 48 hours or so, they will be all out. Very exciting. Yes, guys, head over to at FootballGrad live on Twitter where there'll be plenty of articles as always. Chris, what have you got going on this week or where can people find you online? Uh, Manu's mentioned it all. So, um, yeah, just keep your eye on um, on the FootballStat.com website. Lovely, jubbly, busy pair, right? Well, until next week, um, guys, enjoy all the football coming your way. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to the likes of iTunes or wherever you get uh, the podcast from and just give us some nice comments or, or feedback. And yeah, get in touch on the likes of Twitter. We, we want to hear from you as well. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And until then, I'll be your Zen. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen.
Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.